Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 417 on Tuesday, the 3rd of August, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we've decided not to alienate potential fans by scoffing at how they get involved in motorsport, we'll be charged up over some security news. We'll be investigating the finer points of cars, and we learn how Bentley is stretching some sales. There is no follow-up this week, thankfully. Hooray! However, I will take us straight into new news, and this is to do with EV chargers. This is both people's own and public chargers. Pentest Partners, who we have mentioned in the past because they do a lot of security testing They've done it on Teslas. They've done it on... I can't remember what else were they working on that we've mentioned. Oh, I know what it was. It was trackers. All right. That were told to be... Were said to be five-star from um, certain approval organizations, yet they had huge security flaws because <laughs> that wasn't tested at the time. Mm. Uh, but anyway, back to this. So this is to do with smart EV chargers. Now, the, the really... Uh, sort of summary of what they found is they found a lot of security vulnerabilities things like that accounts could be hijacked of millions of smart ev chargers which is quite quite large because they had these vulnerabilities some of the um charging platforms had authorization issues one platform had no authorization at all which Right, I am. Whilst I am slightly more tinfoil hatty than most people, I'm still not an expert in these things. But I think that's not very good. <laughs> Even I, who has a much higher risk appetite for these things than you do, goes, "Hmm, yes, yes, no security at all is possibly a problem." Yeah, there was uh, one public charging platform that they believed exposed all user and charger data. Again, ungood. Then there was the software that these some of the chargers ran off. Now, uh, of particular note is the ones that run off Raspberry Pi that you will probably have heard if you're not interested in the techie side of things, but you will probably have heard um, people talking about or it's been mentioned in news items. And these are really quite um, compact, basic little computer things that are quite easy to get hold of but they should not be used in this instance. For example, uh, why why it's a real problem that, and I'm quote, uh, there will be a bunch of links to some Twitter threads and comments, but there will also be the Pentest Partners own article because the BBC One decided it wouldn't mention the public charging points in theirs, which seems quite a hole. It's just from a chap who works for Pentest uh, Partners who goes under the um, Twitter handle of at CyberGibbons. If your product is based on a Raspberry Pi, then it cannot perform a secure boot and by extension cannot meet EN303645 cybersecurity for consumer Internet of Things baseline requirements. So at that point, it cannot meet the government's requirements because that is a minimum standard that it must hit. So uh, now what's interesting, if you read through the article, it is a good and readable article, by the way, and there's a, a set of TLDRs right at the start as well, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. What is interesting uh, it, throughout this this article is you can see how they do put how the different companies involved 
how they reacted to being informed of the vulnerabilities because Pentest Partners didn't make any of this known until they contacted the manufacturers and the service providers to say, look, we found these problems. This is what you need to do to fix them. Most addressed them. Most addressed, addressed them pretty quickly. One had basically only did anything when the BBC got in touch, which is disappointing to see. Mm-hmm. But you need to read through here. And if you know anyone who has any of these uh, manufacturers, so that's Project EV, Wallbox, EV Box, EO Hub, uh, EO Mini Pro, Rolex and Hypervolt, they need to go and make sure they've got the latest software to update. Uh, and so if you have one or you know someone who has one of these, just point them in the direction of this article and get them to update. Yeah. Worth mentioning, some of them fixed the fixed the, the flaws within 24 hours, yep. which is pretty good. Others, not so much, but never mind. Next story tonight is, well, it's a little bit Renault-Nissan, but it's not really follow-up. And it's to say that the former French Justice Minister, Rashida Dati, uh, has been placed under formal investigation in France to look into the consulting fees she once received from from the Netherlands-based joint venture between Renault and Nissan. She ran as a candidate in France's municipal elections in 2020, so she's still very much uh, within French politics. But as soon as she left her job as French justice minister, she was hired on a consulting basis by Renault-Nissan, it, it seems. They started to look into her and the payments in 2019, just to see how closely involved they actually were. Obviously, this is part of the, the French prosecutors' uh, investigations into Renault-Nissan Alliance and payments to Carlos Ghosn and all these things that we have talked about at uh, great length. A story was broken by uh, France Info uh, Radio and Canal Enchaine uh, newspaper. They actually broke the story originally that led to this. Lawyers for Dati and the French uh, Financial Prosecutor's Office couldn't be immediately reached for comment, and Renault declined to comment as well. However, she has previously denied the irregularities in the fees she received as a consultant between 2010 and 2012, and her lawyers have said that everything was reported. I think I've just dug us out of any legal issue we may end up in, have ended up in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Essentially, this lady being investigated, payments from Renan, from uh, Renan. Yep. Right. I will take us to politics, sort of, in this country. And there was a bit of a hoo-ha because Allegra Stratton, who is the PM's climate spokesperson, said in an interview that she thinks her third-hand diesel golf is more suitable than an electric car for her at the moment. And she went on to explain some of the journeys that, uh, or regular journeys she would take and how she felt that 200 to 250 miles would mean she would have to stop and charge. Can we put a quick caveat in here now to just say, we understand completely and acknowledge that electric vehicles are not a panacea and they are not suitable for everyone at the moment. Absolutely. Yes. However... <laughs> Yes, there is a however. So this is prompted, uh, I've not really been on Twitter much, but when I've I've popped in to just check on a couple of things, I've noticed this has prompted quite a lot of discussion. 
And it's the same sort of stuff. And it's coming from people who should know better as well that, oh, the network's useless. Oh, this, that, and the other. Oh, cars don't go that long. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's good to see that the president of the AA has got on board with things we've been saying for ages, that you should not be driving over 200 miles without taking a break anyway, Mm -hmm. and that you can charge most cars now quite quickly up to 80% of their full range. Well, Allegra Stratton had said that, oh, it should should take... half an hour maximum to charge a car and, and anything longer than that wasn't wasn't okay for her and it's like well actually you can do that yeah i mean what, Not right what, away what up, this but... doesn't actually cover is that maybe she can't afford a brand new one that does over 300 miles etc politician et they keep giving themselves pay rises andrew well she's a spokesperson she's not actually the politician so nervous, we, we don't know the personal circumstances but we can say quite confidently that you shouldn't be driving the 200 250 miles without a break anyway yeah you can charge a car quite quickly up to 80 percent which would mean they would she would be able to get on to the destination whichever way she was going either to or from her parents grandmother her in-laws whatever it is I mean, there's a whole family tree listed. Yes, yeah, so it's nice to know exactly where yeah. they all live yeah. as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> can we can we stop the? Oh, it's difficult and it puts people off. It's our job. If if there's any motoring journalists out there listening, it's our job to educate people into understanding what is capable now, what is possible now, what are the actual limitations because there are obviously, and where. Mm-hmm. It is actually suitable to use electric cars. So we, but I saw I've seen a lot of journalists or people who should know more rolling out old yeah. tropes and yes. myths that but are not e- but relevant. But EVs don't work. But but obviously, uh, every motoring journalist need to drive from Stanford to Stanford to Wales. Drive uh, first thing in the morning. Drive around sideways in front of a camera and then drive home again. Is what absolutely everybody needs to do with their cars every day of the week yeah yes i'm going to get shot down and killed for that but never mind well we'll take us on to uh clean air lorries and funding from the government well yes uh department of transport was going to spend 20 million pounds on projects to promote electric and hydrogen powered large goods vehicles so obviously compared to cars and vans uh, bringing zero emissions or zero tailpipe emissions to much larger goods vehicles is a much much harder challenge but at the same time government consultation could have the outcome of banning the sale of new fossil fuel lorries by 2040 which obviously is going to be easy now for me this seems like the, the lorries seem to be about 10 to 15 years behind cars at, the, at this moment in time it feels from the outside you'll probably know Possibly. more they're just so much because <sighs> it's hard it's hard to say to be honest it is it is harder and you've got to take more things into account on the other hand, the actual unit is far more expensive, so you could tend to be able to fit more stuff in. So, for example, lorries and stuff were using AdBlue before passenger cars were. Okay, right. 
there is a bit more of a reliance on that kind of uh, on that kind of technology to to keep emissions clean. Mm-hmm. Part of the challenge is they do have they just drive so far, yeah, uh, and cover such a mileage, uh, which cars don't tend to. So they they produce more in total because they're driving further and they're they're spending so much more of their time on the road. Anyway, this twenty million pounds of funding is going to be used in a number of projects across the UK. One of which is going to be an electric road system, according to this motoring research article uh, near Sunny Scunny, and it'll mimic the the some of the the trials that were taking place in Sweden, I believe, mm-hmm. possibly Germany as well, where essentially you have your HGV it is with batteries and it has a pantograph that goes up and that means that you can charge or power it uh, for for a distance. I guess that works really well when you don't have bridges and overpasses on the road. I think that would be the issue, and I think that looking at the pictures here, it might be a little bit interesting with for example car transporters and the hope that they remember to avoid that particular lane so you know the height constraints that that basically running cables above the road uh, bring i think is possibly one of the larger challenges there also hydrogen uh, the idea is to to try and run some some examples of that couldn't i of course sell hydrogen lorries we've talked before a little while ago uh, about them being trialed in Switzerland by Migro, I think it was one of the Swiss, uh, one of the Swiss uh, uh, supermarkets. There you go, all the hard words I'm forgetting tonight. <laughs> uh, 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 doing that, so so yes, hydrogen fuel cell trials for that, as well as that Leyland trucks. Now you might go Leyland trucks; they've disappeared. They are still the British arm of Packard uh, that built DAF trucks. And they're going to receive part of that funding to develop a fleet of 20 battery HGVs. These are going to be offered to public sector organizations so that the data can be collected on their effectiveness. See, other brands already selling electric uh, HGVs. Uh, Mercedes springs to mind. I believe they've yes. they've got quite a range. And um, Volvo as well, but I don't know if they do it here. Some good it, Volvo Trucks YouTube channel actually has some quite nice videos. Uh, about uh, about Volvo electric trucks. Oh, okay. He says, going off on a tangent from the current story. All right. Uh, it's not just all Jean-Claude Van Damme and reversing, <laughs> doing the splits. There, there is other <laughs> stuff there too. Right. I'm going to take us to the highway code and changes that will be coming into into force in the autumn or is expected to be ratified by Parliament in the autumn. One of the major changes is that they're shaking up the hierarchy of road users and pedestrians will be put at the top of this. Basically, what they're trying to say is those road users who have the most potential to do harm have to do the most to mitigate the chance of any harm occurring. Whereas in the past, the highway code has had it that someone in a lorry or a bus has the same responsibility as someone who is just walking along and someone walking Mm. along has limited ability to change their situation as opposed to someone driving the lorry or if something's going wrong. Yes. That's the idea. By the way, I agree that that's kind of the way around it should be. Yes. 
with a certain feedback loops of personal responsibility and not stepping into the way of lorries or standing or cycling into blind spots, Jeremy Vine, or any of yes. these kind of things. <laughs> so, so I, I think it's I, I I think it's the right thing to do. Yep. Uh, and I don't just mean making fun of Jeremy Vine, but <laughs> but I th- I think it also will is the shift that's needed for so many people. I mean, we see it all the time that we can we can all give examples of bad road users, whether mm. they're pedestrians, cyclists, drivers. There's, it's easy for to find all of many the examples. All- Every, every single one on there, be it pedestrians, cyclists, motorcyclists, horse riders, car drivers, vans, PCVs, and LGVs, it, uh, you can find a bad example of all of them. I mean, ultimately, we've all got to just look out for each other and share the space and, and all that kind of good stuff. My trouble with this stuff being introduced in the Highway Code, though, is when was the last time you read the Highway Code, Andrew? Uh that was the question I asked myself when I read this article. It's like, oh, yeah, I really need to it, refresh myself, I feel. It's the people who most need to refresh themselves on all this kind of stuff who will never read it. Yeah. And and that's part of the problem. I mean, yeah, my answer is when I did my truck test, and that was well over a decade ago. The challenge is, of course, is making sure that people are aware of this, not just you awesome folk who listen to the Motoring Podcast. Yeah. Or who read Yes Auto in this case. Linky will be in the show notes. But it's it's trying to make sure that people actually are aware of this and are aware of these kinds of changes. And and it's one of the reasons why I do think that mandatory retesting is a good idea. Yeah. Even if it's just theory test, just to remind people and make them actually think about it for once. Yep. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I shall now climb off my high horse. You saved me having to get on mine. I'm nice like that, really. That's, that's what it boils down to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, we have some sad news, though, from Toyota. We do, yes. A former senior Toyota executive, a chap called Johan Van Ziel, uh, who's head of a firm's European division until earlier this year, uh, has died at the age of 63. He left the the role as president and CEO of Toyota Motor Europe, say earlier this year, and moved back to South Africa, his native South Africa, where he had taken on the role of chairman of Toyota South Africa. Uh, unfortunately, he died at the end of last week due to illness, uh, which has been obviously very short because it came as a shock uh, to to all at, at Toyota. Um, he's worth mentioning because during his time at the helm of Toyota's European arm, he beheaded the sort of revival in Europe. So New Yaris, Return of the Corolla, more interesting SUVs, and of course the GR cars as well. Uh, not least, of course, he was key in negotiations to to secure the long-term future of Bernison uh, in Derbyshire, the, the plant just outside Dar- Derby that makes the Corolla. Thoughts to him, his wife, daughters, and grandchildren. Yep. That brings us to Guilt Minute. Quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand 
then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking, rating, showing whichever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends and colleagues. Just a quick heads up, folks. If you have our interest in Audible, Audible now has podcasts included, including ourselves. Mm. So you can uh, set your Audible player uh, on whatever your mobile device is uh, to download the Motoring Podcast uh, each week. Uh, and you should, of course, rate like whatever uh, via that. Uh, if you are interested in using Audible and you would like the first month free, then if you go to motoringpodcast.com slash support, then there is, uh, there is a code there whereby you can, you can, you can get a free ebook. And, uh, if you sign up for Audible uh, or keep on after the first month, then we get a tiny cut as well. So thank you very, very much. Uh, if you are interested in doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. New, new car news. We've discussed this before, but now the order books have let's, opened. Let's, let's be honest here. We had to check if we'd discussed this before because the Honda HRV had stuck in our minds. Somehow. Yes. <laughs> but the order books opened today for the HR, new HRV, which is for anyone who doesn't like the radical looks of the Duke and will have their... It's definitely a market. It's the, so it's the same size as that. Uh, and it's got their E-HEV petrol electric powertrain, which is basically it's a, the petrol engine charges up the electric batteries like a generator for it, um, but will also run when it's at a higher sp- and sustained speed to help take the pressure off the uh, battery electric part of things. Uh, so prices are starting at 26960 for the entry-level Elegance, and then it will go all the way up to £31,660, depending on the options you pick, including the colour tax, uh, and may, if mm-hmm. you go for the two-tone t- two paint finish in particular. But you can also, in the advanced style, by the way, which is the expensive one, you can also go for an orange interior trim details. Uh, the even entry level, however, is pretty well specced with heaty seats, LED headlamps, 18-inch wheels, and smartphone connectivity. But everything has that these days. Yep, or should. Mm. <laughs> Without charging you. <laughs> Shall we move from the ridiculous to the sublime, or, or I'll let you decide the other way around? <laughs> Go on, t- talk to us about the Lamborghini if your Lamborghini's just a little bit too dull. Hey, guys, <laughs> are you a YouTuber? Are you looking for a new car to wrap on YouTube? Tell us what color you think the wing mirrors should be. There's a new Lamborghini Huracan special edition in this case. It's the STO 2021. It is a track-focused Huracan, which, yes, is a Huracan focused for the track. In all seriousness, it is rear-wheel drive. It has the same naturally aspirated 5.2 litre v10 it makes a mere 631 brake horsepower just like the huracan performante for those of you who are trying to keep up with the with your youtuber of choices previous huracan and it's got a seven speed dual clutch automated gearbox weight by the way the dry weight and you're gonna have to add a whole load of fluids to that you know, on top, is a mere 1,339 kilos. Remember, that's 1,339 kilos with 600 odd brake horsepower. Now, 
there's going to be by the time you've added a driver and all the liquids that are going to be needed you're you're adding at least 100 kilos to that probably a bit more if somebody's got a little bit of pork around the middle like myself they've done everything they've it's got lighter bodywork to help save its 20 kilos it's got striped stripped out interior it's got no carpets instead there's rubberized matting yes you're paying more for less everyone the <laughs> windscreen is thinner absolutely everything um it does have active rear wheel steering but it, it's it's still you still save 43 kilos over the standard uh huracan performante it comes in at a mere 268 thousand pounds yes so you're gonna have to have a couple of million subscribers before you can afford this uh, and you know try and really spin that one out it looks really cool though i quite like the white and the blue and the black uh, but you but you get up to a huge 16.9 miles per gallon who cares i bet the thing is i bet if you go out and you drive it you can beat the wltp figures without even trying yeah probably yeah so let's let's you know i'm doing that wrong whereas i have scoffed at the really silly sort of constant stream of mega hyper super duper cars i'm kind of jealous i know i've just but this taking the rip right through I'm more excited about this than I am those those recent announcement for you know like the Valkyrie and stuff like that because yeah. I I think I've well I just I just am more excited about this actually <laughs> yeah I and I actually really like it I love the white the black the blue well they've got it in motoring podcast colours is what they've done that's it that's why I like it it's really cool I I do like it I'm I am. Extracting the urine, but I'm I'm I, I like it. I really yeah. do. It, uh, it's properly poster stuff. I think know. it cool. still cool. looks mad, like these cars should, and I like that mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Right, well, Matty Pry, I hope you enjoy driving that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. Uh, so. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Take us to what, what, our. We were both thinking leader. it. I know. I know. Lunchtime read is Haggerty's rundown of the Festival of the Unexceptional that took place last Saturday. Do you know anyone that was there, Alan? Uh, not really, no. No, okay. no, no. I, I, I was there, wandered around for maybe half an hour, didn't see anyone I knew, so I just left. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm. interesting to have a look at? No, no, it was all right. I mean, it was fine. It was just some cars. They were unexceptional. <laughs> yes, it was unexceptional. <laughs> no, it was awesome. It was really good. It was a big, big event this year. I hadn't been for a couple of years, of course. Well, it hasn't run for two years, but then I hadn't been for the year before that either. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. It was great. It, was, it wasn't It was hugely far from here. There was just lots of cool stuff, and it was just nice. I mean, to be honest, to an extent, the cars were an aside to it. It was just nice to see folk and catch up with folk in person uh and it was it was cool it was brilliant at uh, the winning proton black knight mm. uh was really quite amazing had screen printed wheel trims you know those aren't stickers they're screen printed on those little horses uh and it's the last surviving one and uh, the guy telling me the, the story about it and it was just fantastic but it, even outside the concourse d'ordinaire just the stuff that was parked up was great and it was completely unpretentious it did. There were, I mean, there were exceptional things there. There was there were a couple. Of, there was a couple of nice TVRs kind of snuggled in. There was there were a couple of couple of older Bentleys and things, um, 
but you know what? There weren't enough to ruin it. Nobody particularly cared. Everybody just had a wander around, looking at staff, chatting to people. And it was it was fab to catch up with so many people. Good. I Such think good I time. went about 15 paces before I at least saw someone I recognized. And not that <laughs> further, not that much further before I, I was chatting to I was chatting to to Ian Seabrook and 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 Miss Hobnot and Richard Kitchen up and down vids, mm-hmm. who's got that SM and and other stuff and just loads of people. It was nice, and there were other people who came up and introduced themselves to me, and I'm still not sure who you were. I'm really sorry, person who accosted me in the toilet queue, uh, but it was. <laughs> It was just nice to catch up with folks. And so many people I just missed, didn't realize were there, don't know what they looked like. Definitely. We, we all need badges. Um, <laughs> we do. I, I need to actually get a T-shirt with my Twitter handle on or something stupid. Yes. Spell it out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, don't you join in. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, so, go um, have a read of the article. It says it's only a four-minute read by Anthony Ingram, who I also finally met given the number of his articles that we've used over the years. At the very bottom, there are links to videos by his hobnutness and also Furious Driving. You can also catch the Not Too Grand one, Pollitt's one on Not Too Grand, where I even have a speaking part and a waving part. Ooh. Ooh, I know. I'll have to watch now. Uh, so that's cool. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Awesome stuff. Right, I'm going to take us to the list of the week. It's from Jalopnik. And it is a slideshow of... They have asked their readers, what are the little car details that you feel can make or break a car? And there is an interesting slideshow of 12 slides. Alan, do you have one that stands out? I was going to choose. I was going to choose the one that you're going to choose as well. It says actual buttons and knobs to control things. Yes, <laughs> there are lots of valid ones in here as well, by the way. But that one is the. I just, I just like a volume knob, and I just uh, like a knob to turn. Did the, you notice the, the temperature? The picture they've picked is actually from a Hyundai. I did. Yes. Yes. Okay. It was not lost on me. <laughs> and there's a little teaser for people to go and listen to our recent uh, special editions. Oh, oh, what a painful, painful link! Well done, thank small, you. Small round of applause for that. That was that was truly appalling. Thank you, thank you. I've yes. worked up to that for a couple of days. <laughs> God, <laughs> everyone. Andrew doesn't have enough to occupy his time right at the moment. Oh, I do. <laughs> Into the w- small wee hours, I do. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I'm going to take us to the end finally, and the uh, this this again. Um, we like to to bring links and news to our listeners because, particularly on a consumer side of things, because we know mm. uh, we'd like to get our listeners who are looking for this sort of thing ahead of everybody else. But there uh, there is the news that Bentley has got has found five grand limousines that uh Mulsans that they have now put up for sale uh that they'd forgotten they had. So they've now put these up for sale. So quickly dash to your local Bentley dealer and put... I think it's your local Bentley dealer in the UAE by yeah, the way. Well you can get them to ship it. But they they um they were only uh they were only two hundred and forty one thousand when they finished production last year. 
And that was a standard Mulsanne model. That wasn't this stretched version, which is stretched by an extra meter. And each of the five comes with, obviously, its own unique uh, color scheme and stuff. The, the one that's shown is the blue with linen, I believe. Linen interior and burr walnut veneer, which is actually quite tasteful. But yeah, none of these uh, do, do have a little bit of a, a click through to the autocar story. I mean, none of them are ever going to be uh, are ever going to get down to the level of, of carrying your local hen night around. <laughs> but, um, Not doing prom night for school. Yes. Yeah. So if, if Silver Over Blue doesn't really work for you, then there's Onyx Over Candy Red. I think, guess that's red and that's black over red, isn't it? With a hot spur and camel interior. I, I have oh, no idea. I dread to think what hot spur is. Yes. Uh, another is Rubino Red over Light Gazelle Bodywork, which makes me think it's going to be burgundy over brown or tan. Yeah. Uh, with an interior in fire glow and twine leather. So, yes, we'll, we'll see what else happens. They've all got custom heating, ventilation, climate control, and an intercom to speak to the driver. Just what you've always wanted. Yep. Should we come back down to a bump with parish notes, I think? I think we should. <laughs> yes. So, no Bentley reviews last week. Uh, it was the Hyundai i20 Premium that I had for a week. That was last Friday's special edition. There'll be another one out this week. On which the the Allen drinking game has been suspended. It comes out once. Does it? It comes out once. But yes, overall it is suspended except for one exception. Okay, it's suspended for for the next special edition. Uh, was it Zoom Zoomers last night as well? So obviously you can go and, and enjoy that. It's quite a long one this week, actually. So yeah, so that was fun. Uh, and have a bit of a watch of that as well. So that's that's our sort of stuff outside of the news shows for last week and this coming week. More special editions are on their way shortly as well. Uh, that's about it, I think. Mm-hmm. So don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer or our Audible offer available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would want to know why you quite like to twiddle a knob, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you personally? Twitter is the best way to get in touch with me personally, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. <laughs> and safe motoring. <laughs> yes, I made it through it and he didn't.